Hello and welcome to another episode of Curiously Polar, our little show about everything very north and very south. My name is Chris Marquardt and with me is Henry Paul Wolf. Hi there. Hello, wonderful good morning. Doing How are you this day? Doing good, doing good. Great. Uh, and you, I hope. Yes, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> so, we want to talk about the Arctic of all things again today. And uh, uh, this is an interesting angle. Um, title is The Wealth of the Arctic. Uh, let us let us begin. What would, you, uh, what would you think is the wealth of the Arctic? <laughs> <laughs> Putting me on the spot here. Um, what is the wealth of the Arctic? I mean, it totally depends on, the, on your viewpoint and your, on your perspective. Uh, definitely has a lot to do with our climate. I mean, we're mm -hmm. talking about the big glaciers and the ice uh, as the, the air condition um, of the planet, or at least part of the air condition of the planet. So I think that's what's valuable about it. Um, I think we can look at it from a wildlife angle, from a mm -hmm. fishing angle, from a whaling angle. Uh, what else? From, from a tourism perspective. A tourism perspective, even though that... I, yeah, that I mean, the tourism perspective, I think we have talked about this often here on the show, um, that the tourism perspective, uh, at least from our point of view, is is important because it's an educational opportunity. It helps get uh, get people to understand how important the Arctic is. So that's a side Indeed. benefit, I think. But one thing we haven't um, considered yet is the economical um, impact here the economical perspective on the Arctic. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a very geopolitical um, perspective as well, because we have, of course, the Arctic countries, which have their claims um, in the Arctic Ocean up to the North Pole. And we have different opinions, different points of views on, on certain developments there. And we can see is a lot going on. And the big question, of course, is, what's going on there and why and what makes it so interesting and when we just see what's going on in the united states currently they are waking up a little bit after the um, recent administration didn't really consider the arctic to be uh, a key factor we can see that a lot of local um, players in alaska have understood what the development in the arctic means and they actually are picking up there. You see in, in, in Canada, we have a lot of uh, development going on and uh, Greenland is trying to develop their economical um, power in, um, yeah, in, in the changing um, conditions um, a lot. Then you have, of course, the Scandinavian countries up there who are quite well established already. Um, in that sense, and you have Russia as a key driver, the biggest um, part of the Arctic, kind of a gray area or white spot on the map for, for most Arctic observers, because it's kind of a big black box you can't really look into, you can't really um, see what's going on there. So I would love to um, yeah, spot a light today on the economical developments in the Arctic and, um, yeah, what's interesting there. Okay, let's do that. 
yeah we have um the changing climate in um in the arctic which makes the arctic um easier to access and it makes it most important easier to access the resources and commodities and if we see those resources and commodities then of course that triggers also a big run on those and that means that we have a lot of countries um competing with each other but we also have third party countries having um a big interest in there just um yeah participating on this big run without having um yeah a very clear saying in in the arctic because we have the arctic ocean divided into um yeah in, into stakes or claims of the arctic uh countries but then we of course have big economical powers um pushing into that little universe of the arctic countries so we have the five arctic riparian states and we have new players who try to go into this geopolitical uh, monopoly themselves so we have the big um value the estimated value of resources and commodity and um we have the control of newly accessible transit routes on the other hand and the all of those they are um forming a new picture a new playground on our maps so when when we talk about resources and commodities what is something that would come up in your um mind in the arctic what would you think are resources and commodities in well, the arctic i think the first thing that comes into mind is oil indeed and uh another value from a commercial point of view is um is new shipping routes because indeed, the, yes. the the ice is melting is that, on, is that is that in the right direction it is yes let's put the oil um under the bigger stake of natural resources that can be oil gas um minerals rare earth minerals etc and of course new infrastructures yes new trade routes that's a big impact um we see the sea ice is retreating and um offering big um big new possibilities and when we see the uh, russian route the, the the northern sea route um commonly translated as the northeast passage it's cutting short um international sea routes by 18 days they say that's a long 18, time 18 days to a conventional route which we use today this is three hundred thousand dollars on fuel costs saved this is a huge amount that's a lot of money we're talking about and 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 we're and we're just looking at the economic side here we're not looking of course at the at the side of more trade being more eco more um ecological impact being making this even worse so we're not looking at that vicious cycle in this episode just to make that clear indeed um so we have the resources we have new trade routes we have new infrastructure we have to keep in mind uh, we have also land owning the ownership over land in the area which is a big commodity it's a big asset in uh, in the arctic countries who owns the land who is the one uh, deciding over certain land and who is having the mining rights for example then we have the dreams of the future of the Arctic, which is a big commodity. So how is the Arctic changing and who has what interest and what stake? We have new alliances forming. We see um, 
third-party countries emerging into the uh, sphere of Arctic countries, of the Arctic it, uh, itself. We have new environmental issues which play a key role. And last but not least, the most important part of the whole resources and commodities question is we have the people living in the Arctic. And their, um, their habitat is changing. It's changing tremendously. The way of their life is changing very rapidly, very quickly. And this is a lot to consider. It's a lot which plays into that big question of the wealth of the Arctic region. So when we just look, for example, on um, on Alaska, how, how that changed, this is one state of the United States. If Alaska would be considered an independent country, it would climb up into the top 10 of countries when it comes to the 10 most important minerals in the world just by that, which are just released by thawing permafrost, by retreating sea ice. So it, there is a lot potential which will be accessible on the on one hand the other thing is when that gets more accessible it will of course raise a lot of um of interest by um international um, companies by by the by the states themselves we have to make sure that the environmental standards are high enough that the exploitation in those areas are not destroying what the Arctic is um, is known for. And that's not only being precious, it's a huge, important ecosystem. It's a huge, important habitat for a lot of uh, species, a lot of plants. And this is the, the biggest danger from, from my point of view today. When we see the possible exploitation, we can see the outcomes already in Alaska and in northern Canada, where you have those uh, big um, sand oil mines or fields where they actually extract um, oil from uh, from thawing permafrost sand, which is a huge impact on environment there. But because it's so sparsely populated, it has a different um, yeah a different impact on the popular uh, on, on, the, on the public opinion. So you you don't have that picture constantly in your mind when we talk about the arctic we usually have this beautiful sea ice with a polar bear on an ice flow in our mind we rarely see those um, areas in the canadian arctic where you, where you have those big mines not only for for the oil but also for for minerals you barely see those big oil terminals uh, in alaska or in in, in in russia you don't see those big gas terminals in russia that's nothing you usually have in mind. And just to give you a number, when we um, when we talk about the wealth of the Arctic, we can put it into into numbers. And the uh, U.S. Geological Survey has estimated that the Arctic contains ninety billion barrels of conventional oil, one thousand seven hundred trillion cubic feet of natural gas, forty-four billion barrels of natural gas liquids plus mining and minerals, plus rare earth minerals. There's nothing really contained in numbers here. So you, you see, those <laughs> numbers lot. are just insanely large. You okay, can't so really imagine what that is. I, 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 and, and I can see a lot of people, um, especially the industry, hearing these numbers, licking their fingers. Exactly. They immediately have dollar signs in their eyes. They see the pure um, just profits laying there in, in the Arctic. So you, you get an idea why those countries 
not necessarily are sad about the changing Arctic, about the climate change. You see that the Arctic, with all the changes happening there right now, are also offering new possibilities. And especially indigenous groups, indigenous people, they see that there might be a chance for them to to profit from that development as well, to gain some of the stakes from their areas and to develop their own um, communities. And that's, of course, something that's understandable, but it's also something we should be aware of when we talk about the development of the Arctic. Oh, that's, that's my next question. How likely is that? Because those big players have big pockets and they are well uh, well linked into the politics. Um, so how likely is that that the indigenous groups will benefit from that that really depends on the influence of the of the countries of the of the states themselves because what we've seen so far is that um, even if you have exploitation in the areas the indigenous people are the last one profiting from that yeah it's exactly. nothing that, that stays in the region right and why, why should that change why should that balance change Probably because the um, influence of Arctic and indigenous people might raise um, because of their knowledge of the area of the region, which also changes. But um, that might be a chance for um, the um, you know, for, for the for those cultural groups to raise their voice and to um, put their knowledge into the weight and um, just see um, if they can turn that into profits. Same goes, of course, for, for, for their grounds. I mean, uh, they just got settled um, from on, on certain spots and um, I'm not sure how the um, how the, the ownerships of the land are actually are ruled in those areas. Do they belong to the indigenous <laughs> groups or are they state-owned or are they privately owned? Who has the right to give permits and who actually um, gets the, the, the fees for, out of those permits? And it's a lot of things that need to be developed, and um, there are a couple of tools um, from from each government um, which they can use to assure that at least a, a, a part of that stake is going into those local communities. We see that <clears throat> a lot of those communities um, they are impacted by uh, climate change quite tremendously. We see how those um, villages which got randomly set up somewhere um, are at stake because of changing climate of uh, raising sea levels of um, bigger storms coming in of uh, disappearing sea ice etc so there is a chance of using this this development of um of uh, yeah a growing industry in the area and um, turn that into a profit for the local communities but this is really a big question mark oh it is but i i mean i have high hopes in one respect and that is that uh, in today's world our our communication is much much stronger the the uh the possibility to acquire knowledge is much bigger with the internet and with other resources and that means that those indigenous cultures are better connected and they know more uh, about how the world is working and i think um that gives them a better fighting chance indeed and uh the the yes senator for alaska dan sullivan he has sat in a talk um, the people who live up there, they need to have an economic future. And this change of the understanding of the Arctic, the um, changing climate conditions, the possibilities that are there, that are there they are actually uh, start to provide an economic future for them. That could be a big 
um, game changer for the people living up there. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for, for the indigenous people in this context, for sure. So, um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot changing right now. Indeed. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that covers it for today. The Wealth of the Arctic episode 71 is in the can. Be back in a week from now with some more interesting stuff. Until then, take care.